Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. If you're just joining the show, we are going through every single Metallica song. Um, the obscure ones, the ones you don't really know about, the Cretan Hops, for example, which uh, <laughs> me and Nick did. Nick, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, Tom. About yourself? Um, it's good. It's good to have you back, man. And it's been wonderful to see in this little weird world of ours, the Metallica podcast world, that that, that is growing that, you know, you're obviously a fan of, of Mar, you've been on the show before we did Cretan Hop, and mm-hmm. you're also in Metal Up, your podcast, and it, in, in, in some odd symbiosis, some glorious spore-like thing, you did the artwork for their covers EP. Badass artwork, by the way, very cool. Oh, thank you very much, Tom, I appreciate it. And it's funny, too, like, that's, that was an old drawing I did 10 years right? ago, based oh, off, yeah, based off of Cyanide, mm. and um, uh, Clint asked me if he wanted to use the artwork for it, I'm like, yeah, sure, and yeah, I just basically retrofitted it to a square, and mm. you know, did some Photoshoppy things to it, and put the yeah. you know, put the font on it, and they're like, loved it. And people were asking for shirts. I mean, I got more positive feedback in that in that ten year old drawing in the past, you know, four or five you mm. know, months than in the, in the previous, you know. Nine years and seven months I've had it. Sitting <laughs> they're the, they're in the a- Oprah of the Metallica world, those guys. They, they, they make are. stars. They make stars. Yeah. And, you know, you shout out to both of them. We always shout out Metal Your Podcast and the Patreon, where you can get the covers EP and obviously see the artwork there for yourself as well. But um, yes. I actually listened to a podcast, a slight tangent, called Something About the Beatles, and it's by two Beatles authors, Robert Rodriguez and Richard Buskin. They're, they're awesome, great podcast. They, they actually fell out and they don't do the podcast anymore, which is really mm. sad as a fan. It's like, oh, and you can kind of detect the hatred early. I don't know. But still, a fantastic Beatles resource. And one of the things they do is they shamelessly plug their books, and whenever they mention them, there's a little ding that just comes on obnoxiously and they, they, they revel in it so i think we need one of those for when i metal mention metal on your podcast and occasionally cliff will mention how scathing i am so you know clint sorry i always call him cliff and clint it always gets mixed up but you know two mm. two musical geniuses there but talking of musical genius you know we're talking about fade to black and for me i don't know about yourself it transcends my favorite metallica song it goes straight up into like my favorite piece of music ever i mean with there's there's so much with fade the black they get into i mean this is what blows my mind about this song this was written and composed by 20 year old kids yeah yeah and and as far as like how it fits into the overall metallica picture as far as like the metalla ballad they got mm. it right the first time with this song mm. every every song to me is them just trying to recreate fade the black i mean they go in different directions with like sanitarium and one and the day that never comes but i mean they got it right the first time if you ask me like you can't get better than this yeah yeah it is unbelievably anthemic it is the epitome of metallica to me to a certain extent it is always one of those touchstones along with songs like orion as well that are just these songs that i cannot get enough of that will always do it for me as well whenever i listen to it similar to the end of night train by Guns N' Roses, which is uh, an incredible song. I love mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses. Someone out there listening to Alf Metallica, you want to start a podcast, please start a Guns N' Roses podcast. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why hasn't that happened yet? There's like 200 Metallica podcasts. Someone needs to stretch out. And when you do the Night Train episode, please have me on as a guest because I am crazy about the closing section of that song. I, you know, <laughs> I think it's irresistible. And I think Fade to Black's on that same par for me, uh, Nick, in just, just being a classic. Yeah, but you know what's so f- ironic about this song? This song was actually very, very controversial. Mm, mm. I mean, let, I mean, let's let's go back. 
34 years to like May 19 or March rather 1984. Glory days. Yeah, like you're you're an OG like in large term you're an OG thrash oh, yeah. rager, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you got Metallica on the forefront, you got Slayer, you got Anthrax, mm-hmm. Megadeth, it's embryonic stages, you got Overkill, you got Exodus, you got Testament, you've got, you Let's know, go. Death Angel. Mur- Murder in the Front Row, I think was written about that era like crazy. Yeah. So like so you can imagine, like at this time, like you, like you're, you know, a teenager. You know, you got Kill 'Em All. You got this awesome album. You kind of seen Metallica live a couple, like once or twice, and they played, you know, they 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 played a few songs from from Ride before it came out. Mm-hmm. So like they played Fight Fire with Fire. They played um, Creeping Death. They played Call of Cthulhu. They played Ride the Lightning. Right. So you're like all and like stoked up about this album. And then when it drops in the summer of 1984. And you you take the record, you know, out of the album sleeve, out of the dust cover. You put it on the record player. You put the needle down on track one, fight fire, fire, and you get this acoustic guitar. Yeah. And it's a shock. You're like, what? The, what, what is this? And then it, you know, obviously goes into a thousand miles an hour. So you're like, that's cool. So then you go through Ride the Lightning, for whom the bell tolls, and then you get to track four on side A, which is Fade to Black. Again, starts off with that kind of weird ambient keyboard thing mm. then you get the acoustic guitar you're like okay so like you know they fooled me with you know fire 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 we're gonna get this awesome song and it never really takes off in that direction so i don't know like if you go back 34 years and you listen you listen to that you know and that's why a lot of these a lot of these older you know thrash fans at the time hated Ride the Lightning because of Fade the Black because they sold out. They put a ballad on, on a record. God forbid you, you branch out. So, and a lot of fans probably, you know, they jumped off the Metallica train in 1984. So, pre-Black Album, pre-Load, St. Anger, 1984. Ride, Ride the Lightning, Tom. Probably the most important Metallica record. Come on. They, ju- they jumped off the train because of mm-hmm. Fade the Black. It's just, it blows my mind. It's kind of like, and I'm going to Flip this, I want to flip the script a little bit. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. So, in terms from from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning, like the, the progression of the band and the change in them, do you think that's more comparable to like Metallica going from Justice to the Black Album or the Black Album to Load? Oh no, I don't. I don't think they're self reinventions. I don't think they're paradigm shifting. I think they made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Justice in the Black Album, you know, a lot of the themes are carried across. Lyrically, right. it's James's sort of brain there. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, some of the changes are, are, are familiar. And Fade to Black really escapes its era for me. Um, you know, it's timeless. You talk about that intro. Um, I, I, I love the sort of ethereal backdrop to it. And the sound of the guitar, the guitar sound excellent here. Really well recorded, really bright. And... You know, I'm I'm crazy about Kirk's opening solo. I, I think it's one of it's one of Kirk's crowning moments as a guitar player in Metallica. Oh yeah, it's I mean, if you're a guitar player, I mean, I I can't play anything mm. worth it, worth a shit. But um, I mean, I love like yeah, that acoustic. I'm reading oh. actually something about uh about like Jamie was writing writing that part, you know, in New Jersey, ironically, sure. and he was saying how how much of a pain in the how much of a pain in the ass it was to record that part. Because you can hear every note on the acoustic, like every, you know, every bit, every mm-hmm. hand movement, all the strings. So for them to do that, you know, took took some guts to do. And like, yeah, I mean, that opening, like little guitar solo from, from Kirk, 
the way the song kind of builds and builds and builds yeah. and then it gets in into that into the verse part uh just such a beautiful song and what's funny too if, if you listen to just the isolated guitar tracks it sounds very upbeat right but then if you you put it in the rhythm section you put in the bass you put in the drums and then you put obviously the lyrics on top of all mm-hmm. that you know it becomes a whole other beast within itself but i mean the song is just so beautiful mm-hmm. you know even though it is about suicide but yeah. it's it's so beautiful of a song and just and, and and people have kind of cracked on it in the past few years of like well it was written about you know it's about suicide, but it's backstories when their gear got stolen in uh, Boston back in January of '84. Right. But you know, and, and people are you know now maybe right, you know, looking back, you know, 34 years later, going, "Well, that's kind of silly." But if you look at this band of 20-year-old kids who have just made it, they just have an album out, they're on tour. This is the, this is their life. So if their gear gets stolen. It kind of is. It might have been the end of their career. Sure. So they took that, you know, James took those, you know, dark feelings and they, you know, put him into the, in, into the song. Hmm. And also, and also what's interesting about this song is there's no chorus. Yeah. The sort of a riff chorus, but, but yeah, no sort of vocal backing. You're right. Um, which is just another part of this endless combo of awesome parts of this song. Like you're talking about that intro solo that, you know, builds up into the main um, marching movement. Such a fantastic riff in of itself. And then for it to essentially be a verse riff that James is singing over, you know, it's a second, it has a secondary function, but it's still really compelling. His slide that he does as well. Dun, dun, you know, there's lots of moments in this song that listening to them, like I appreciate you say you don't play guitar, but for me, it was quite a silly move really. But when I, I learned guitar and started playing these songs you realize how mm-hmm. simple some of these parts are like towards the end he has a you know and you play that yeah. and it's just a, a linear descent on a on that a string and it's kind of like oh of course it is you listen to it you're like yeah it is of course but for some reason you envision something maybe a little more difficult a little more accomplished but that is the spirit of metallica they just strip these things down to their bare essentials and they are compelling um in of themselves one of the things i love ab- about this song nick are the other lyrics um, I mm-hmm. think they're incredibly concise. Um, they don't give a syllable away. And, you know, all of them are very memorable, very quotable and very effective when they lead to the uh, continuing verses and choruses. Yeah, if, I mean, it flows very well. Mm. And just, like, it flows well. And just some of the things, like, growing darkness, taking dawn. Right. And a great line that is, yes. like, emptiness is filling me to the point of agony. You know, mm-hmm. I was me, but now he's gone. I, mean, I was me, but now he's gone is deep, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, I'm looking at this going, like, this is James that just, a, just a young kid, mm-hmm. you know, writing, like, writing these really touched, deep lyrics about something, you know, about gear being stolen, essentially, you know, at its core. But it's just, yeah, he said, like, it's economy of words, syllables, nothing is wasted. Everything flows so well together. It tells a concise story from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. And even like the last two lines, like yesterday seems as though it never existed. Death greets me warm. Now I will, now I will just say goodbye. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. yeah. Powerful. That gives you chill. Yeah, fair, and, then, and even just reading it now, like, mm-hmm. and even the line before that, no one but me can save myself, but it's too late. Now yeah. I can't think, think like, even try, like, wow, 
it's it, but, but it's not only the writing which is fantastic it's the delivery but it's too late you know yeah just, oh man it, it just so I, I can't get enough of it really and i think this song is just full of builds and releases that are fantastic we have the intro which is that you know kirk's <clears throat> fantastic opening solo leading into the acoustic verse riff and then at the mm-hmm. end you know we have james singing over it and then when the solo just erupts at the end of the song, I want to hark back to uh, Night Train. As I said, I love rock songs uh, that end with huge guitar solos, and that's just oh, how yeah. they end. Like it, it's the best way to end a song, Nick. Oh yeah. Well, I mean this. Oh yeah. I mean, what's I mean? Uh, what is it? The trash canning it. Just they're just mm. going for it. That and that solo kicks in, and you got Lars on the double bass, and you know uh, Cliff and and James just doing their little parts, which adds so much to that to the back end of that song. Because when you li- like we listen to it, it's like there's it's just little things, just little notes here and there, but it adds so much dimension to that to that ending section of that song, that just takes it to a whole other level. Outside of that amazing Kirk solo, outside of the double bass, I mean, start to end. I mean, for whom the bell tolls is my favorite song on Ride the Lightning, wow. but yeah. I don't know, like I don't know if it's the best song on the album. Fade the Black is a very, very, very strong contender for that. I mean, mm. again, as as far as their their ballads, as far as like again, like the Metalla ballads where it starts off soft and then ends hard, mm-hmm. this is it. Yeah. Everything else is just they're catching up to this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would you rank this as number one Metalla ballads in, in their yeah. own canon? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think it better than one. Yeah, because one one has like I don't know if it's because of the production. It seems at times when they go from the soft to the hard, like it's a pretty harsh transition. Sure. We're, and I mean, I don't know, again, if that's because of the production. It, it's very dry, you know, but it just, this song just, flow, I mean, this and Sanitarium flow very well together, but I got to put Fade on, I got to put Fade on top. Better than, it Day, just, better than Dana Never Comes? And it, well, t- oh, now see now, Tom. Now <laughs> I like that song. A lot of people rag on that song. I think it's no, song. and like, well, day. I mean, great ending. Day, like, like fade day, to black. Great ending. Yeah, like fade to black. I mean, basically, when day came, when day came out, it's like, well, fade to black, and one had a baby, and here it is. <laughs> and I, I love yeah. day to never comes. In fact, I would personal preference probably put day on on top as far as my personal preference. But like looking at it from a academic point of view you know removing the favoritism fade's got to be it because without fade you don't have one you don't have sanitarium you don't have day but even Mm. still like this song just does everything that those songs do and it just it got it right the first time you know yeah you're right and i agree i agree this is actually my favorite as well um, as I said before, it's one of my all-time favorite songs. It's an absolutely crushing song. You know, I, I, I really can't get enough of it. I love Kirk's second lead break as well, which has a more mm-hmm. smoke-like, you know, kind of out-of-this-world a- a- kind of vibe to it that I really, really like. I actually remember the first time I heard this song, and I think this song was responsible for getting me into the band inadvertently. I was burning CDs, and I made this weird CD, and me and my dad listened to it, and it was like... Um, Steve Vai basically and I remember mm-hmm. it had his song Brother which is like a fire garden I think that's off and that was there and then Creeping uh, sorry this song Creepy Death was there as well and then Fade to Black was there and I do remember hearing it and just being so impressed by it. it it felt lived in it felt like I'd heard it my entire life but I was just hearing it now you know it had mm-hmm. just had this 
uh, not in a bad way at all predictable quality like i just i knew how great it was instantly and um the the band do as well nick it's been played a total of 1162 times yes which i've seen the, i've seen four of those yeah. uh 1162 right. times and actually leading up to this i've been watching a lot of the like different versions of the song played live throughout the years because they've made some modifications along the okay. way um i have to say like as far as favorite performances live um as far as like me seeing them personally ooh, i mean it's tough like 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 in person but like as far as like all the documentary stuff the live shit seattle performance mm-hmm. is amazing um I'm not a fan of like the black album version or era of the song live. I think James is trying to oversing it. If it makes sense. Okay. Like I'm not, I'm not quite sure about it, but like the, the load, like the load era, James's voice and the, and the down tuning of the guitars, it sounded, they sounded really good. And in fact, one of my favorite versions, which, which is kind of sad in a way is the last time that it, that uh, they play this song with Jason being an official member of the band. Oh. on the vh1 my music awards which was november 20th 2000 right and and that was actually like a rare treat to see them play fade the black live on tv because like when they're playing on tv it's like enter sandman or it's fuel or the member remains or whatever the single is at that moment but the fans got if i remember correctly because it's been 18 years or so um they got the the fans got to choose what song the band played live and they were playing outside, and it was like a makeshift parking lot, and they played Fade to Black. And it wasn't technically like a really good performance, but emotionally, man, it kicked ass. And it was it's kind of sad and fitting in a way, but it was Jason's last song with them you know, as an official member of the band. Wow. Yeah, I, so, I, I recall it now that you say, yeah, I can sort of see it on a darkened lot and cranes and yeah yes um i need i remember the names performance of this is very good um, oh yeah that's an awesome Solid. concert altogether i love that oh, concert um oh yeah that's great too and also too like uh have you seen so what's your take on like james playing the the uh the acoustic bit electric or acoustic live what do you what's your take on that you know i don't mind that what i do mind is him singing to the oh i know the crowd uh-huh. do it at the end but i kind of like to just have give kirk that stage yeah i mean I'm, it's minor it's minor yeah yeah it's minor i mean he gets you know it's that crowd involvement i mean i've, I've seen i've seen them play it both ways and with them playing it acoustic uh, with it james playing the intro acoustically at first was like wow that's pretty cool but i, I don't know it just feels a little i want i don't want to say hollow but it just it doesn't have the same strength that like the electric intro does. Sure. And I guess I'm used to like with the album the album version having that kind of keyboard sound behind the acoustic to kind of boost it up a little bit. But uh, I mean either way the song kicks ass. So I mean they could play it any way they want. They could play it on banjos; it'd be fine. Um, also, have you heard the acoustic like straight up acoustic version of the song? Yes, on some sort of radio show was it? Uh, I th- it might have been. Uh, it might have been. From, but yeah, someone can correct us in the comments. I'm sure. But yeah, someone's gonna be like typing like, <laughs> "God damn you, Metallica! Excuse me, nerd. Yeah, we played in 1998. You felt like, all right, yeah, I get it. I don't have the notes in front of me, right. but uh, it was, it, it was, it was okay. Again, like I liked how in that 
in that era, like how James sung the song and how he enunciated, you know, some of the mm-hmm. words, you know, versus, like I said, like 91, 93, maybe because, again, you know, he blew his voice out and he's trying to protect it. You know, it didn't, it didn't have the same feeling to it, but like 96 to 99, 2000, you know, I felt like he sung it really well and didn't have like any, it felt like he was actually, he got behind the emotion of the song. Versus like the, like the earlier like the earlier times they played the song from like eighty five to about eighty seven like they were almost nervous playing it because the first time they played it was um, February eighth nineteen eighty five and the and the album came out July twenty seventh nineteen eighty four mm. so they, they they waited a bit to play this song right. and I, I they did the same thing with nothing else matters like they didn't play that song live right away okay they they waited a little bit so. I, again, I don't know what you know what they were waiting for with playing the song live. Maybe they had, you know run through it a few times and make sure they got all the parts right. But uh, you know, it's a live staple. I mean, they can probably play it through their sleep if they wanted to. Yeah, it's uh, it's a remarkable track, really. Um, I, I love the gear shift. Uh, sort of three minutes to go. Um, you know, the riff that changes everything, giving birth to that solo. I. Yeah. yeah, can't can't get enough of this song. It is classic Metallica. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir. If you're listening to this, you know how fucking incredible this song is, man. Any closing thoughts on Fade to Black? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, I mean, there is, like I said, a lot of history tied to it. It's also, unfortunately, the song where James burned himself in Montreal. Oh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, a lot of like, you Who know, do? not tonight. Yeah, but uh, what's also interesting too is like when someone passes away, James will dedicate this song to them, okay. which I find which I find kind of odd because the song is Yeah, like because like when Ronnie James Dio passed away, he dedicated the song to him. When uh, Chris Cornell passed away, he dedicated yeah. the song to him. You know, like in the uh, Rasputin version, where the, you know on the Hardwired uh, third disc. You know, he says like right in that break, you know, right before the solo, like, "Can you hear us, Cliff?" I'm like, mm. "The song's about suicide." It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's like I get, I, yeah. I get the the sentiment to it, sure. but I'm like, I'm like, it's not what it's really about. But mm-hmm. but I'm like, you know what? It's I'm not telling James Hetfield what the song's about, no. what he could say and what he cannot Hell say about no. it. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I just find I just I find that kind of interesting, but um. So, um, well, let us know, you know, if you're listening, what you think of Fade to Black. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. If you want to come on the show, uh, again, let me know what you think about the song. We'll read them out in future episodes. Patreon, if you want to support, leave us a review on iTunes. Nick, your art, how, how do people find it? Yeah. Uh, Instagram, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Makoviak. It's pretty easy. I know there's this new thing called Vero. It's supposed to be like a really right. good app that's supposed to put things in chronological order, but it's, so buggy and it crashes most of the time oh. but yeah instagram's the best way to find me okay okay yeah we'll, we'll put the links below obviously listen yeah. to uh create and hop create and hop that we did way back when at the end of october so yeah. you know um hell of a long time ago um but it, you know yeah and a little bit of an upgrade too you know going from create and hop yeah. to fade the black just a little bit of a, a little bit of an uptick <laughs> with uh you know, with like the eight people who knew about Cretan Hop to maybe the slight few million people who know about Fade the Black. <laughs> you know, and we were talking about this before the the um, the interview that within like after this song, two of the next three songs you're covering is on Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with fight fire with fire for whom the belt tolls. So I mean, you're almost done covering Ride the Lightning. You just have to wait till the R's, which is probably like what a year and a half away. Quite a while away, yeah. But, yeah. Um, Creeping Death with Adam Deans and Call of Cthulhu with Andy Hall. Um, and he great. did escape. He, he just did, did escape. escape. Just did escape. Yeah, yeah with Chaosware. So uh, yeah, you're right. There's lots of interesting patterns that spark up. Like early on, I hit loads of reload. Um, I hit attitude, bad seed, and better than you. And oh. you know, I was quite scathing. Well, yeah, of well, those. yeah, but that means though you're out of the way. You know, you're, yeah. you're out. You know, like you're sure. you're almost done. You just gotta go through fixer. Yeah, we've you know. um, had four uh, four loads so far. I mean, we've only had 46, 47 episodes, so you know it's not really a good measure so far. But uh, you know, let us yeah. know if you found patterns. Um, go support Nick. Um, go support Melody Podcast. All the other Metallica podcasts that are out there. Um, Sava Bloody Podcast, uh, which is a really good podcast I've been listening to. Um, shout out Jastercast. I know everyone listens to that. I've just started listening to it. Love that podcast, man. Would love to have the guy on. Uh, mm. You know, I think that would be really, really cool. Maybe shooting a bit too high, but shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Jastercast. Yeah. Um, but Nick, this has been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Tom. <laughs>